Welcome to The Dish, the show that uncovers the stories behind the world's most famous dishes. We are your hosts, Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us and expert guests with tasty facts, foodie secrets and more. In part one of this double episode, the foundations of traditional Bulgarian cuisine, learn about the flavors that make things taste uniquely Bulgarian. Also, the history of Bulgaria's national dish, the Shopska salad, plus the best soups, salads, and dips in Bulgarian cuisine. Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Dish. I mean, chocolate. <laughs> of course, you're eating. Well, I mean, that is part of our job, so <laughs> that makes sense. All right, let's not talk about chocolate. Let's talk about Bulgarian food. Bulgarian food, specifically what to eat in Bulgaria. Yeah, this is one of our what to eat in episodes where we talk about a few different dishes from a destination that we particularly like. A little bit of history for each one, a little bit of a story behind each one, and as well as that, also just foods that we really liked. I think Bulgaria is a really undiscovered foodie destination. Food and wine, mind you. We tell people about Bulgarian wine, and they're like, Bulgaria makes wine? I'm like, "Uh, yes, yes, they do. Bulgaria is one winery. If you look at a map of Bulgaria, it's covered in wineries. Yes, the whole country is wine region. Yeah. It's a surprise to most people, but it is fantastic. They do have some great wine these days. Now, we're actually going to be rocking out a double episode on Bulgaria because seriously, there is a lot. There is a lot to eat. I actually recently put together a very large article of not just everything we ate, but also a few other things. I'm pretty sure almost everything in the article we have actually eaten. It was almost 70 dishes. It was yeah. so many different foods that I actually... Mean, we've I been actually, to Bulgaria about three, three or four times now, so we, <laughs> we didn't just eat 70 dishes one time when we visited for three days. And we spend quite a lot of time in a country when we go normally. If we go to explore the cuisine, we spend at least a month in most places when we do that. So, yeah, the actual article, I was like, this is so many dishes. If I put that on the title of the article, no one will ever read it because I'm like, this is like a Bible of Bulgarian food <laughs> and I don't want to read that. I just want to know what to eat on my trip. So, but yeah, actually, the article has a lot more dishes in it than the title suggests. So, it, this is a double episode because there's a lot to talk about. And in the first part, we're going to be talking about Bulgaria's famous soups and salad, as well as the foundations of Bulgarian cuisine. Yeah, it's very rare that we talk about salad because everybody knows that you don't make friends with salad. So, <laughs> we very rarely talk about it. But when it comes to Bulgaria, you have to because. To tell you the truth, I go to Bulgaria to eat their soups and salads. It's one of the places I know where I can actually be reasonably healthy. I think Bulgaria and South Korea are my two favorite healthy eating destinations. Healthier. Healthier eating destinations. Because although Bulgaria has lots of heavy food, every menu has so many salads and soups on it that you don't have to go heavy food. And a really vast selection too. Yeah, especially during the summer when everything's so fresh. And we do we go there during the summer. We don't To winter. be fair. We don't winter. We try not to do winter at all. So yeah, in part one, we're talking about soups, salads, and the foundations. And in part two, which is coming up next week, or may already be out, depending on when you're listening to this, we'll be talking about the main courses and some drinks 
as well. But rather than skipping ahead to that, if it is out, just keep listening to this episode. And also, if you've listened to other episodes of The Dish and you like the show and you are not yet subscribed, now is the time to subscribe. Hit that little button. Whichever platform you're on, just subscribe. It helps push us up the ranks. It lets your platform know that we're a podcast that people are enjoying. It also gives you notifications when we have new episodes out. Previously, we were just doing seasonal stuff, so people were like, when is another episode coming out? If you subscribe... It'll let you know. Yeah, you know that already. You know how subscribing works, but we want you to do it. So also tell your friends. If you've got foodie friends who are interested in what we're doing and you like what we're doing, tell them about the show. Let's make it happen. Let's rock it out. The more people we have following the show, listening to the show, the more episodes we can make because it means we can put more time into making episodes rather than doing our regular blog work. Because podcasting's fun, right? So much fun. Exactly. All right, I'm going to crack through a brief history of Bulgarian cuisine just to get us started. Now, of course, food is always tied directly to the history of a country and who's invaded and been through and who's lived there and that sort of stuff. Bulgaria's had a bit of people around that region. They have been invaded multiple times, of course. And the city of Plovdiv uh, in central eastern Bulgaria is actually considered to be Europe's oldest continuously inhabited city. And it has been lived in for over 6,000 years, archaeologists believe. Beautiful little city, too. In fact, it even has an r- old Roman stadium underneath the city, which they discovered well, a while ago. And I can't remember exactly when. 20th century, I think. Yeah. It's relatively recent discovery. So you're walking along all the shopping streets, then suddenly there's a big hole and you look down and 20 feet below you is the end of a Roman stadium. And it's just below the entire city. And actually, when we were there last year... There is a big amphitheater as well that they discovered, which is really, really ancient, but they still use it. And when we were there, Sting and Shaggy? Yeah, Sting and Shaggy were doing a duo or at that least a double bill. blew my mind. But yeah, they were performing there when we were in Plovdiv. So strange. But Plovdiv's a cool city. One of the many places in Bulgaria that we've been to. Uh, Bulgarian food is a mix of, of course, what grows locally, as you'd expect, which especially includes some fantastic dairy products. So it doesn't exactly grow, but it grows inside the belly of the beasts who eat the local food, uh, eat the local grasses and whatever. And they have some excellent dairy, as well as some not necessarily always unique herbs and spices, but definitely characteristically Bulgarian herbs and spices, Mm. the spice blends they use, we're going to be talking about a little bit later. So also, a lot of the dishes are influenced by Turkey because Bulgaria was occupied by the Ottoman Empire for some 500 years. Of all of the countries in that region, like Greece and Bosnia and Montenegro, etc., of all of the places that were invaded by the Ottoman Empire, I feel like Bulgaria was the one that sort of, they copped the most Ottoman. <laughs> like, they, they were really Ottomanized for such a long time because they're right next to Istanbul. I mean, they're just, they're just a little stretch away from Istanbul and... Yeah, they were very influenced. So a lot of the dishes that we're going to talk about, you might go like, eh, isn't that a Turkish dish? Isn't that a Greek dish? Isn't that a Turkish dish? And it's like, yeah, well, of course, because Ottomans lived there yep. 500 years. But it's Bulgarianized. They have their Bulgarianized versions, and they also have some dishes that, yeah, it's got all of their local products in. It's a little bit different. Also, you're going to find some elements of Bulgarian food culture that sort of go back all the way to the Thracian times. 1500 BC, when Thracians were making wine along the Thracian Valley, which is where Plovdiv is. In the 20th century, Bulgaria, after the Second World War, was enveloped by communism. They were behind the Iron Curtain. 
industrialization damaged rural traditions. People were moved out of the country and their traditional lifestyles to work in factories. But Bulgarian food has bounced back, and slowly the rural sort of way of life and the agricultural tradition has started to return. It's one thing that when we were last there, I really actually enjoyed seeing, and it was really nice hearing it from the the people that were there, that they were saying how the people of this generation are finding their passion for farming again and people are moving out of the cities and, and trying to find like new organic and creative ways of, of building up the land and, and using it for you know Bulgarian produce and making Bulgarian produce the best that it can be. Yeah, and they have great produce. Oh, yeah. Like their summer season is perfect for a lot of different things, which is why the salads and such are so great and the dairy is so great Mm -hmm. they have a good good space for agriculture so let's jump into something that is the most important part about any cuisine it's the things that make something taste like that country so the things that make it taste bulgarian and actually it does come down to some specific herbs and spices that they put in everything and when you taste that blend you're like Mm, oh it's bulgarian Bulgarian. now i know so many countries have this. You're just like, when you taste that, you go, oh, I know what country that's from. Yeah. Bulgaria's definitely got it. One of the most important herbs is chubritsa, which is also called summer savory in English. It's probably the most defining herb of Bulgaria because it's actually quite rarely used in other countries. It's not something that's massively popular elsewhere. It has a unique herbal character that I will find it quite difficult to describe. So you really need to go to Bulgaria and actually eat yeah, this food. It, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I, I guess, no, I can't. I'm, no. Not, I'm not even going to try and describe it. I find it very difficult. It's, it tastes like chibritsa. They use it for a lot of their grilled meats. They use it as a herb to complement various cold dishes. It's just thrown into so many different things. It's everywhere and it makes stuff taste Bulgarian. Yep. It's great. And it's yum. Love it. One of the other most important condiments is Sherena Sol, which translates as colorful salt. And this is a blend with the chibritsa I just mentioned, as well as paprika and salt. I love this mix. Oh, it's very good. Uh, sometimes the recipe also includes fenugreek and or cumin, perhaps. Mm-hmm. A little bit of those. It brightens up any meat. So it's just like your, your overall general salt. You can throw it on some meat and grill it. It's going to make it a little bit more interesting than just the chibritsa. It adds a bit more. Um, but really, you just mix it with a little oil and a bit of warm bread, and it's a table snack. Yep. And it's so good. We didn't realize this at first, and then one of the waiters showed us how to sort of, like, it all worked, and we were like, oh, how have we not known about this? <laughs> so good. Didn't discover it until our most recent trip. Well, of course, we've discovered it because we've eaten it on so many dishes, but yeah, we but didn't know what it was. Yeah, not with bread and oil. No, as soon as with bread and oil, we're like, Yeah. This is a dish in itself. Mm-hmm. This should get its own episode. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the fact that we can't describe what it tastes like. <laughs> Just yum. Next most important spice, and this is in quite a lot of dishes, some we'll definitely talk about in this episode, is zhodzhen. And I've almost certainly pronounced that wrong, oh, but the sure. English version is much easier to pronounce. It's spearmint. Ah. And we probably didn't even know we were eating spearmint because it's quite a light spearmint. It doesn't come across strongly minty in dishes. Certainly not, no. But they use it in stews and quite a lot of soups, especially ones that contain beans. So the bean stews that we had, which we had quite a few times, they would have had this spearmint in. It's also popular with lamb and might be mixed with some other dishes we'll talk about in episode two. Good with some main courses as well. 
and part two of this Bulgarian food podcast. Couple more to cover just quickly. Uh, Samardala, which is Bulgarian honey garlic. It's a local variety of garlic, which they dry up. They, they harvest lots of it. They dry it. They add salt and uh, they crush it into a, a salty garlic powder. Garlic's always good. Yeah, garlic's always good. It's just their own little version of it. And also devesil, which is a more well-known herb in English. Lovage. I've Should never we, heard of lovage. You've never heard of lovage? What's lovage? Uh, it's good with seafood. It has sort of uh, a... Well, I'm not the biggest seafood fan. Yeah, of, of course. It, they use it a lot to, to flavor seafood soups, fish soups, and fish dishes in general. It's sort of got this in-between celery and parsley sort of flavor. Okay. Somewhere in the middle, so it's not quite as strong as celery leaf, but it, it's not quite as herbal as parsley. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's something I've seen in other countries, whereas the chubritsa, the summer savory in Bulgaria, that's, that's the defining one. That's the yeah. most important one. You've got to have that. And some of the other essential spices that you'll find mixed in with various dishes are ones you will be familiar with already, I'm sure, cumin. Paprika and fenugreek are some of the main ones. Gotta love the paprika in that region. Yeah. All around Eastern Europe, there's some great paprika. I grow in a lot of peppers. Mm-hmm. And a good climate for it. Uh, so, now a quick word on a couple of the most important products that I'm putting in the condiment flavor section because they basically are used as condiments and flavorings. They are so pervasive within Bulgarian cuisine. Kiselo uh, mlieko, which I've definitely pronounced wrong, but it's butchered. Bulgarian yogurt. Oh, butchered completely, completely oh, wrong. And the yogurt is such a special part of Bulgarian cuisine, and we don't know how to pronounce it's it. It's a really hard word to pronounce. Sorry, Bulgarians. Kiselo mlieko. Uh, the word translates as sour milk, and it's a thick and slightly sour yogurt, just similar to Greek yogurt. But there is a lot of contention between I was say, you Greek start yogurt, fight. Turkish yogurt, Bulgarian yogurt. Yeah, who invented this sort of yogurt? The history of yogurt is definitely going to get its own podcast. So we're going to do a special episode on that at some point. Yeah, because Bulgarian yogurt is something pretty special. When you actually hear the story of it, you're like, dang, I had no idea. So there you go. A little bit of suspense for our upcoming yogurt episode. You'll have to wait. But they use yogurt in so many dishes. It's all over the place or just by itself. It's fantastic. So you're going to be finding that in a lot of food. So look out for it. The next most important ingredient, I don't know whether I even should say next. It's just one of the most Equally. important ingredients ever is serene cheese, which is Bulgarian's <gasps> salty white cheese. The, this is what makes things quite special. And this is one thing. You know, even as a non-real big foodie person coming away from Bulgaria, you'll remember this cheese. Yeah. Now, we talked about Greek feta cheese versus Bulgarian serena cheese just a few episodes ago, season two, episode 17. It's a big contention, which is the best, which is the original. Got to go listen to that episode to learn a little bit more about that. I'm probably siding on the Bulgarian cheese side just but I would say they are both very good. They've both got their own character. I think the Bulgarian one is slightly wetter, slightly creamier. Yes, agreed. But uh, as we said in the other episode, it really does, does come down to where you get it and who the producer is. Yeah. So more on Serene cheese in that episode, season two, episode 17, or go to foodfuntravel.com slash better podcast 
and you will find that as well. But yeah, they use it in so many dishes. It's in the pastries. It's it. in the dips. Mm-hmm. It's thrown on top of salads. Of course, we're going to talk about that in this episode. It could be why I like the salad so much because it's always just covered in cheese. <laughs> yeah. And the serrano cheese is fantastic. So, yeah, those are the most important condiments and dairy products that are everywhere. You will find that making up so many parts of the cuisine. It's unreal. There are main courses that are just made with loads of the cheese. And, of course, you can just get – well, I mean, you can just get a cheese plate. Yeah, you can just get it just by itself. Yeah. That's totally fine. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, it's salad time, and that could be the only time I announce it on any one of our podcasts ever. (laughs) But Bulgaria is salad central. They have so many different salads, and it's one of the – the top things that we love about the country. It's surprising how healthy you can be. The word salad is used interchangeably, though, so it's not just for a traditional salad that you would expect with, with a salad element and a dressing. We're also talking about various cold dips. They're also referred to as salads. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not just like lettuce and dressing. It's, it also can go into your, uh, as you just said, your dips and your different... Uh no, there's some things that, that it's like a firmer dip, like because they're put in the shape of like a ball rather than. Those ones quite often have sort of cheese and yogurt in. I'm fine with that. Of course. But that's also a salad. So when we say they're all <laughs> salads, not all the salads are yeah. made equally healthy. Yeah. <laughs> some of them are full of dairy, which is awesome. But yeah, maybe not quite as healthy. Now, let's talk about Bulgaria's most famous salad, Shopska salad. Mm. I know you're a Shopska salad fan. I love Shopska and pretty much I can order one every day. And then, well, there's two different types of Shopska salad that you can get, isn't there? There's like, well, let me think about this because there was definitely two different ones that we had to remember while we were there. And it was like, this one has the this in it and this one has the this in it. And right now I can't remember what the this, this is, is. Well, I've got some information on Shopska salad that might All right. remind you about that. Although, a um, bit of contention involved in this. As with a lot of these dishes, everyone, of course, disagrees on their own personal version. And, um, or is it the difference between the Shopska salad and the shepherd salad? There is definitely a difference between those two. Ah, that's where I'm getting So, confused. we'll get into that. But Shopska salad is the most famous Bulgarian salad. It's considered a national dish. It uses the classic combo that you'll see across the Balkans in the Middle East, which is tomato, cucumber, bell peppers, and onions. And that is focusing on local ingredients that are grown in Bulgaria. They just, That's don't, important. They just don't got no time for lettuce. And no, I'm fine with that. I'm no. not a lettuce. This is what they've got. But I feel, and I think most people feel, the most important reason why it's a uniquely Bulgarian salad is because of the addition of the Sereni cheese. Mm-hmm. Of course, it has that Bulgarian white cheese on top. And as that's a Bulgarian cheese that is not made anywhere else because everywhere else it's Greek cheese or, yep. or Turkish cheese or whatever. This is such a special cheese that's really so Bulgarian. And rather than like a slab like you'll get on a Greek salad, you'll get a slab of feta on top. This, they, they actually grate it all on top. So you get like a nice mix throughout your entire salad. Grated is definitely the most common version that we've had. Apparently, they will sometimes cube the cheese but grated is sort of like the number one preference. Now, Bulgaria, unlike Greece, is not a big olive oil producer, so they actually use sunflower oil, and instead of lemon that you'd get in a Greek salad, you're going to be getting red wine vinegar and salt and pepper. Mm. And typically, the salad does not come dressed. You almost always have the salad dressing on the table, and you put your own on. Yeah. 
which is great, I think, yeah. because- Choose your own. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. <laughs> exactly. Now, you'd assume that a salad this incredibly simple must have been around for hundreds of years, right? Well, yeah. No. Oh. You'd be super wrong. It's one of those, we just made that 20 years ago. Even though salad is incredibly plentiful in Bulgarian cuisine today, and it's one of the reasons we love modern Bulgarian cuisine, historians actually believe that salad was barely eaten at all until the 20th century in Bulgaria. Wow. It was not a thing. Furthermore, the Shopska salad appears to have only been invented or in some way adopted into Bulgarian cuisine in the 1950s or 60s. And in fact, they believe, quite a few different sources believe, it was a project run by Balkan Tourist, which was the communist state-run tourism agency at the time, and they used it as a way to promote tourism to Bulgaria. Really? Yeah. One- Why <laughs> would anyone think that a salad is going to boost tourism? Come to Bulgaria, we've got salad now. Well, there is a story behind why they did this. One source suggests that the salad was actually created by professional chefs, like completely just created from scratch as an experiment. The chefs were from Balkan Tourists, and not only was Balkan Tourists the communist-run tourism agency, but they also owned a whole bunch of state-run restaurants, Mm -hmm. which were, of course, like the communism tourist restaurants that all tourists were taken to. You would be taken to a Balkan Tourist restaurant. It's all very communist. It's quite crazy. And this was actually created in 1956 at a restaurant called Cherno Moretz at the beach resort of Druzhba near Varna, which is on Bulgaria's Black Sea coast in eastern Bulgaria. Uh, there was a first written reference to the Shopska salad and no reference before this. I have to say this is the first ever written reference was in 1956 in a book called Book of the Hostess. And the recipe in that contained all of the classic ingredients of a modern Shopska salad, apart from the cheese. Now, I'm not really sure if it doesn't have the cheese if this is really a Shopska salad. No, because then it's just tomato, cucumber, and... Then it's just vegetables, like salad salad. Yeah. So I don't know. But that's apparently the first written reference. What does Shopska mean? Don't worry, we're getting to that. So yeah. The reason that they actually created this salad was because the tourism agency wanted to promote to the world how amazing their fresh summer ingredients are. Well, hey, that's... And it's it's correct. Yeah, it's totally correct. They definitely had a good point there. So that's the reason they actually did it, was they went, we need to invent some dishes that are going to get tourists to come to Bulgaria to eat our amazing cuisine during tourist season, which was mainly in the summer. They do some winter tourism, of course, but... That's like the big time. They're getting people out there. So that, that was the reason they sat down and went, what can we do to emphasize and promote how wonderful the natural produce of Bulgaria is? Let's invent a salad that uses all of it. Oh, it totally makes sense. So apparently this was just one of many, many salads that was invented during that crazy salad creating time of the late 50s, early 60s. And every single salad was named after a different region of Bulgaria Mm. and sort of was trying to focus maybe on the ingredients that you would find there or just maybe on a let's be nationalistic and go, well, this is the salad of this state. This is the salad (laughs) of this state. You find that in places. Exactly. Well, it was communists and they were being super nationalistic about it. But it turns out that Shopska salad, which is named after the region of Shopluk, is the only one that really stuck in terms of the nationalistic salads. Mm. That's the one that took off. That's the one that then became the national dish of Bulgaria. 
The region of Shoplok is actually partly in Bulgaria and partly in Serbia and partly in the Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. So, like, Shoplok was an original sort of area. Ethnically, people identify with being in any one of those three countries because mm-hmm. it's bordering. So some of those countries have sort of started to try and claim that they invented Shopska salad because it's eaten in all those places as well. Ah, uh, yeah, so none of the evidence that seems to be out seems to suggest anything apart from the fact that it was invented way on the other side of Bulgaria near Varna using the name and then it became a national dish. Now, eventually in 1970, another book called Recipe for Cooking and Confectionery, very inspiring title. <laughs> Readers were given options for a Shopska salad. So at this point, they had gone beyond just being salad without cheese to definitely like, this is a Shopska salad. But you can make four different types. So this is coming back to what you were saying about different types of Shopska salad. Yeah. So you can make it with onion and cheese. You can make it without onion and cheese, which is the classic original with just the vegetables. You can make it with roasted bell peppers rather than fresh mm. and cheese. Or you can make it with chili peppers and cheese. Ooh. I think they're all pretty good options, except the one with no cheese the ones with no cheese are obviously not worth eating no don't bother with those ones that's my top tip life's too short to have salad without cheese exactly now shortly after that in the early 1970s the communist state apparently agreed that the roasted peppers and grated cheese were the mandatory version and that is the only version that should be shopska salad i'm guessing that's been loosened up a little bit since communists left and you're no longer going to be punished by firing squad if you use a different ingredient which is probably why people today are talking about a few different options we've definitely had it with roasted peppers and with fresh peppers so it's a different choice each time now the colors of the salad are of course red for tomatoes white with the cheese green with the cucumber and it's the national flag of bulgaria Bulgaria. red white and green so yeah they, so nationalism all the way this could be and I, this is not in the history books this is just my possible conjecture that that's one of the reasons some of the other salads didn't win out was because this was the most national colors so yeah, they went, that yep, would... this is the one will represent our glorious nation that makes sense yeah but yeah by the 1980s it had become the national dish and a very famous culinary symbol of bulgaria that's known all around europe quite a famous name and if you want to be a real local it's your local tip Order a Shopska salad as your appetizer, and you should also order a shot of rakia, the clear fruit brandy. You should have that on the side. That's your starter. <laughs> That's right, because they believe rakia is good for bringing on the hunger, but it is also good at the end for dissolving the, the fullness. For digestion. For digestion. So, and it's a health tonic. And, and it's, it's rakia is good for everything. It's good for everything. That is a common belief in the Balkans. Yeah, but they it, definitely have it before and after, not just after, like a lot of places. I would say it's just an excuse to drink strong alcohol as it, much as possible, probably. What are you going to do? Now, Shopska is definitely not the only salad you should try. Uh, you should also look out for the shepherd salad that we mentioned earlier. A little bit similar, but different because it's got mushrooms and uh, egg in it normally mm. as well. And ham. Yeah. Chopped ham. So, yeah, really good alternative. If you don't want to eat Shopska every day, then go for a shepherd salad. And let's just mention a few of the salad dips, because as I said, everything's called salad. If it's cold and it's served as an appetizer, it's apparently a salad. Yeah. So, I mean, you can order stuff on the salad menu and it's not going to come out and be what you would expect to be a salad. So this is why we're (laughs) giving you a heads up here with what some of these things are. All right. Now, my favorite one, and I think it might be yours as well, is katak. Yes. Now, why is Katak so good? Well, now, according to the actual information online, because I double-checked some stuff on this, 
Traditionally, katak is actually a special type of curd. So it is specifically the katak curd. However, depending on who makes it, they quite often just substitute um, serene cheese for the curd instead. Uh, So it's a mix of the cheese with Bulgarian yogurt, charcoal roasted peppers, and garlic. That's it. Nice and simple. But you're taking those two core Bulgarian ingredients, their best dairy ingredients, mix them together into a dip and adding tasty smoky roasted peppers and some garlic. Perfect. Love it. It's amazing. You get some fresh bread and you dip that right into that and it's, oh, it will change your world. It's hard to move on from starters when there's something that good. How are you supposed to eat a healthy salad when there's something that's literally just a big pile of dairy that's called salad? <laughs> yeah. Like, surely this is healthy for me. It sort of is because, you know, this dairy isn't bad for it's you. It's calcium. It's good for your body. Yeah. It's good healthy dairy. But definitely we spoke to a few locals and sort of asked them what their favorite dish was. And a lot of people directed us to the Katak. They said, you can't leave Bulgaria until you've actually tried this. It's a great dip. It reminds me of there is a similar dip in Greece which is the, the spicy cheese dip, which is Greek yogurt mixed with feta cheese, bit of garlic, and chili pepper. Yeah. So that's the difference. There's a spicy version, and I think you can get it in Turkey as well. So these things are all sort of similar, but it does come down to the type of dairy they're using. And if they're using the proper fermented katak curd, which I don't know if they are and how often they use that, that's just what the traditional recipes say it's supposed to be. If they're using that, you're going to be eating something completely unique. That's a very specific Bulgarian type of curd, apparently. Don't know which versions we had, but whatever we had was great. Mm-hmm. And the best one we had was at Pavaj restaurant in Plovdiv, yeah. which you have to make a reservation for. It's like one of the number one restaurants there. So. Yeah, it is like the number one restaurant. And, and it's not very big. It's, yeah, it's a small place. They do lots of very interesting traditional contemporary mixed sort of fusion Bulgarian foods, including horse sausage which was quite unusual, but pretty good. Yeah, so definitely somewhere to check out if you're in Plovdiv. Now, some of the other salad dips you want to look up for, this one I might pronounce wrong as well, Leutenitsa, which is a relish of grilled tomatoes, garlic, and peppers. Could also include carrots and eggplants and onions, sort of varies on the recipe. So that is more like a salad. That's more of a healthy salad dip. Yeah. And also some of the stuff that you might get in Turkey. And the kiopululu, or kiopulu, I think it's kiopulu, an eggplant puree with tomatoes and garlic. Once again, popular in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And the sneshenka, which is also in English called snow white, which is a yogurt-based dip with cucumbers, walnuts, garlic, and dill, sometimes with some black olives added on top as well. Yep. So it's sort of on your way to being similar to tatsiki. Sort of. It's like that yogurty cucumber dip, but it is quite different because it's got walnuts and dill. Yeah. Different type I of flavor. I love the dill in Bulgaria. They put it in a lot of their salads and there's something about, I'm, I'm 100% addicted to it and I can't wait for next summer to come around so I can get dill again because I, I've just been missing it since we were in Bulgaria. Speaking of dill, let's talk soup because their most famous soup, it's not actually my favorite because it's a cold soup, and I'm not big on cold soups. Yeah, I, I don't dig the cold soup. But the most famous soup that Bulgarians absolutely go crazy for, and every, every person we met who asked about what to eat in the summer, they're like, tarator. Yeah. Which is their yogurt-based soup. It's sort of like a cold, watered-down yogurt with cucumber, walnuts, garlic, dill, salt, pepper, vinegar, and sunflower oil. 
I mean, very refreshing on a hot day, but yeah. it just wasn't my favorite. I totally, I totally get it. But from what I understood was essentially they're still a bit seasonal in Bulgaria. They haven't done that whole like we everything all year round like we have in Australia and England. Yeah. They're very much like we only have this soup in the summer. So it's like a special thing for us and it's refreshing and it's, it's nice. So it's sort of like the snow white dip that we just mentioned before, but with loads of water added. And it's to make it soup. Make it into a soup. So it's sort of crazy. Um, yeah, not my favorite thing, but locals love it. Definitely give it a go if you're there in the summer. Yeah, you need to give it a go to see whether or not you like it because I, it's definitely their like national soup. Now, another soup that's hugely popular around the Balkan regions, because I would say the Tarator is very Bulgarian. Yeah, I've never really seen that anywhere else. Whereas a lot of their other soups, I would say, are quite Balkan. And you can gonna, find them. Are we talking the old tripe? We are going to talk tripe soup. Yes, I think tripe soup is something you could definitely find in Romania and other parts of the Balkans. It's very popular. Uh, the traditional name is Schembe. Probably pronounced wrong again. We pronounce everything wrong here. Don't send us complaints. We know we're pronouncing it wrong. We're <laughs> trying to get it right as and when we can, but we're probably not going to get it right most of the time. Yeah, it's popular all over the place and it's always considered a hangover cure. Because, of course, all of these soups that have disgusting meat parts in are always like, oh, you must eat it. It's a hangover it's cure. It's either hangover cure or make men strong. Yeah. There's always some marketing reason that people have peddled this soup to people for years. Yeah. Like, oh, it'll fix your hangover. Like, will it? Well, I reckon the reason that the tripe soup will fix your hangover, if that's even really possible, is down to the fact that it is a lot of milk and a lot of butter and a lot of beef stock. That's the main constituents of the soup and tripe. Yeah. Tripe's boiled up in that for ages. They add a little bit of vinegar to balance out all that fat and salt, of course. And I think that's really what does it. And it's good. I mean, I don't dislike it. I just don't like the texture of tripe in general. Yeah. But the soup is in itself, like the flavor is very nice. But it's then when you get to the chewy tripe bits that you're like, yeah. If I could just eat the soup part and not the tripe, I'd probably like it quite a bit more. Hmm. And yeah. There's a lot of butter. And actually, when we were in Romania, it was sort of like, add your own butter. We went to dinner <laughs> with our Romanian friend, and he was like, well, if it's not buttery enough, and he just like, put in more butter, put in more butter. <laughs> like, it's buttery enough. It's fine. <laughs> the other classic element of the hangover cure that you're supposed to have with tripe soup is a glass of rakia. What? So, who you would mean, have known it? You mean more booze on top of your hangover will make you feel better? Apparently... More rakia is going to solve the hangover. Who knew? So, is it tripe is, soup... It is magical medicinal liquid. Oh, is, that rakia. Is tripe soup really the hangover cure? Or is butter and rakia a hangover cure? Who knows? Now, there's loads and loads and loads of different soups in Bulgaria. So many. I think if you check out our full article, it's at foodfuntravel.com slash Bulgaria podcast. I think I've got like eight or nine different soups on there, and that's definitely not all of them. But I think my absolute favorite soup is the meatball soup. Yes. Also, lots of butter. But they have these tiny little meatballs. So it's just like loads of little meatballs in a soup. And maybe some vegetables as well. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Don't have to have them. Who needs vegetables? Definitely our top pick. We tried this in Plovdiv and yeah, absolutely killer soup. Just swimming in butter. If you look at the photos on the full article, you'll see just how much butter is on top of this thing. It's glistening. But anyway, we have a clip from our meatball soup experience in Plotlip. 
So Bulgaria definitely likes their soups, and we've actually had quite a few whilst we've been here. Which is now, really uncommon for us. We're not used to just sort of jump in and order a soup. Sorry, I'm clanging everything around. I'm trying to repour our wine glasses, and I'm just bashing into everything. Anyway, soup. We are having the meatball soup, which here is little meatballs, lots of little meatballs, and a very, very buttery, liquidy soup that's, well, frankly, it's full of butter. It's delicious. Yeah, it's, I'm just uh, dipping some pita bread into it, and it's dirty awesome. Mm. Oh my god, it's just rich and salty, and it's everything you want in a, a warming comfort food soup. Mm, definitely something you could imagine having in the middle of a Bulgarian winter. But I'm enjoying it in the middle of a Bulgarian summer. Don't order it for lunch in the summer, though. Oh no, you'll, just, you'll end up with soup sweats. I'm already heating up. Mm. That might be enough for an entire meal. 300 grams of soup is, um, you know, it's a good calorie feast already. I think there's actually some rice in here, too. Ooh. Oh, Benny's on my tongue. Yeah. Mmm. That's a tasty soup. Yeah. Actually, I liked all the soups that we had in Plovdiv. There was a particular little restaurant that's where we were recording, and um, they just did what they did that day. So you had to just turn up and see what was on the menu and order your soup, and it was always busy. Always busy. Yeah, I think it was actually called like Super. It was just yeah. called Super. It's like Super Restaurant. So yeah, there was that place which had fantastic soup. Also a couple other restaurants where we had fantastic soup. Uh, you can't guarantee they're going to have meatball soup on at that restaurant, but you can definitely get meatball soup on the regular menu pretty much every day at Diana 3, which is listed in our article. If you want to find out more about that, head to foodfundtravel.com slash Bulgaria podcast. But the soup place was so local. And we had the tripe soup there because we went on a different day and it was like, well, today we've got tripe soup. And so every time we went in, there were different things. We had the bean stew there, which is another very famous dish that we're not going to talk about, but that's in the article. Just such a cool place. And yeah, we're the only only tourists going in there. We also tried the Bulgarian moussaka there, which I'm sure we're going to touch on later on. We're going to mention moussaka in the next episode, perhaps in the main courses. So yeah. There you go. Bulgarian moussaka. What? Yes. Yes, there is such a thing as Bulgarian moussaka, but we're not going to get onto moussaka. it right here. Or moussaka. We got to pronounce. Oh yeah, we got to try and pronounce that one because we have moussaka. It. Moussaka. But most people listening to the episode will be like, "What? what? Now? <laughs> What's that?" Anyway, that's it for this part. We have got a double episode on what to eat in Bulgaria, so we'll be back in the next episode with main courses and some of our favorite drinks. We've mentioned rakia quite a lot. I'm not sure it's my favorite drink. It's not my favorite. No, but but it is important. I do have a favorite drink, though. Yes, so so I think that's coming up in the next episode. And also a dish that is 100% Bulgarian, because as we mentioned in this, quite a lot of these dishes are semi-Bulgarian. Shopska salad is maybe very Bulgarian, but uh, quite a lot of the dishes we've talked about are actually something you might also find a similar version in Greece or Turkey. But we've got one that's so Bulgarian, you just won't find it anywhere else. That's coming up in the second part. We actually chat with Vasil, a local guide from Plovdiv, who took us out on a wine tour. And he talks about some of his favorite food memories of classic Bulgarian food. Plus, yeah, an essential summer drink that Megzi is a huge fan of. So that's coming up in the next episode. But for now, remember to rate and review if you've liked this episode and our other episodes. Do leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen, because we'd really appreciate that. Anything less than five stars is not going to cut the mustard. 
It's not enough. We need five stars to get us propelled into the podcasting stratosphere. That's what we need. Yeah. We want to be food podcast superstar. Yeah. So help us do that. Make sure you subscribe because that also helps us get boosted up the ratings. All right. Join us next week or perhaps right now, if it's out already, for our second episode of What to Eat in Bulgaria. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.